Universal in Swahili is dedicated to all you beautiful people around the world. We say... Jumbo! And greetings to the Global Mission Podcast. My name is Richard Lewis, your host, as we discuss the issues of worldwide missions and the task of the Great Commission. Today's podcast is entitled, The Flaw of the Excluded Middle in Christian Ministries. This was an article I was asked to submit to a seminary in Southwest Asia. In 1982, missiologist and anthropologist Paul Hebert wrote an article entitled, The Flaw of the Excluded Middle. Hebert grew up in the district of Andhra Pradesh in India. Observing tribal people over the years, he came to the conclusion that there was a gap in the worldview and concept of many Western Christians from that of Christians in the developing world. Most Westerners see the universe as consisting of two tiers the invisible things of the other world, and the visible things of this world. However, their lack was they were unable to comprehend the invisible things of this world, namely spirits, demons, or angels. People in Africa and Asia are keenly aware of the reality of unknown or even known spirits as they consult witch doctors, soothsayers, astrologers, and prophets in an attempt to understand the reasons for sickness, misfortune, and death. Using Hebert's terminology, I suggest in this article that there is an excluded middle as it relates to Christian ministry, and that excluded middle is pioneer church planting. Church planting, at every level, is a weakness in ministry throughout the world. But this is especially true for pioneer church planters. Over the past 40 plus years, I've had the privilege to teach cultural anthropology and courses on cross-cultural communication to missionaries and students in nearly 50 countries. Each class is with an intentional eye on church planning and outreach to the most unreached peoples of the world. I usually begin my class by asking each person what is their goal in ministry? What is their hope and their prayer that they will do after they graduate? Overwhelmingly, the response is they one day hope to be a pastor, teacher in the church, or in a Bible college or seminary, or perhaps be involved in some other local ministry. It is an extremely rare occasion when any of my students reply that their goal is to take the gospel to unreached areas of the world, whether that be to secular societies among Muslims, Buddhists, or Hindus. The familiar verse known as the Great Commission is our Lord's mandate for his church, Matthew 28, 16-20. Followers of Christ Jesus are to go into all the world, 
make disciples and baptize those who accept Jesus as their Savior and teach his commandments. The church today puts a great deal of emphasis on the second and third component of the Great Commission, i.e., make disciples and instructing them in God's word. I take it that the term make disciples is one of the roles of a pastor as he guides, counsels, and instructs people on how a Christian should live. Teaching seems to be the most sought-after ministry these days as men and women continue their education in deeper study of Greek, Hebrew, and theology. It is the first part of the command that seems to be the defect in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, going. This is not to say that the local church does not go in some capacities. In most churches, evangelistic outreach is promoted and for church members to be a witness to their friends and neighbors. Many parachurch programs, such as helping the poor, fighting injustice, being involved in pro-life causes, sex trafficking, and establishing schools and orphanages does indeed lead many people to be introduced to the good news of the gospel. However, in most of these ministries, it is generally within a monocultural local context, meaning people who are of the same language, caste, tribe, or ethnic background. On the last day of the Lord's instructions before he ascended, Acts 1.8, He instructed his followers to be witnesses in Jerusalem, their local context, which has been identified as Culture 1 or C1, then Judea, their region, state, or county, which is C2, to Samaria, those of a different ethnic background who may live in their vicinity, which is called C3, and to the regions beyond, and the people beyond their local context, which is C4. The flaw of the excluded middle in Christian ministry is that most ministry activity is rarely C3 or C4. To put it in another way, there is very little pioneer church planning or pioneer gospel outreach. In 1977, James Ingle and Wilbert Norton published a book entitled, What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest? Jesus told his disciples in John 4.35 that they were not to say that the harvest would be in four months, but that the fields were white already unto harvest. Why then, after 2,000 years since our Lord was taken up, Half the world's population still have never heard the good news of Christ's salvation. It's been estimated that 3.6 billion people in this world have never met a Christian. With all that the church possesses in resources, technology, and more importantly, the Holy Spirit, what indeed has gone wrong with the harvest? R. W. Lewis suggests that there are seven reasons why there is a flaw in Christian ministry and the obstacles in global outreach. Certainly this list is limited and there can be much more added. But for the purpose of this article, I will highlight just two reasons for the flaw of the excluded middle in Christian ministry. 
Number one, lack of clarity of need. Ralph Winters, missiologist and founder of the U.S. Center for World Mission, stated, When the task is not clear, people are not sent. As one travels around the world and interacts with churches, seminaries, mission committee members, and even missionaries, it is obvious that many do not have a clear understanding of the need in global outreach. Churches and mission organizations continue to send people to countries and people groups that already have a significant Christian population while at the same time have no knowledge of a world without a gospel witness. Consider these statistics. There are 1.8 billion people in this world that have less than 0.1% Christians among them, meaning 1 per 1,000 people. And many do not even have one Christian in their people group. Only one out of every 1,000 missionaries who are sent go to the most unevangelized people in the world. Instead of sending people and resources to the most unreached peoples of the world, the church continues to work among the evangelized. I am aware that statistics are a moving target, but here are the general numbers. It is estimated that there are 5.5 million full-time Christian workers in the world. 76% or 4.19 million are those that are working in the reached world. 1.3 million workers or 24% are Christians working in the unevangelized world while only 20,500 workers, or 0.37%, are Christian workers working among the unreached. There are about 400,000 foreign missionaries throughout the world, which would include all the Catholics and the Protestants. 310,000 foreign missionaries, or 77%, are missionaries going to the reached world. 78,000 of the foreign mission force, or about 19%, are going to the unevangelized world. 13,315 foreign missionaries, or 3.3%, are the missionaries that are going to the most unreached peoples of the world. What does it mean to be a frontier pioneer missionary? Lewis states, If everyone is obeying God's calling to be a missionary, wherever they are, then God is calling 99.99% of people to work among the 45% of the world's population that already has the gospel, and calling virtually no one. 0.005% to relocate among the other 56% of the world that are not Christians. She goes on to write, You have a better chance of being in a plane crash than being one of the few missionaries to the unreached out of the total 2 billion Christians in this world. If the church is sending people primarily to the most reached areas of the world, 
follow the money and we will see that the limited resources available for missions is invested in those areas that have a considerable Christian presence, while those going to the most unreached people of the world suffer with little to no financial backing. Here are some of the statistics on how Christian giving is used. 97% of money that goes into the church is for pastoral ministries of that local church, mostly in Christian nations. For home missions in the same Christian nations, 2.9% of all money goes to home missions. Going to the unevangelized, non-Christian world is 0.3%. Money that goes towards the unreached people groups of the world, 0.001%. What these numbers reveal is that first, $97 out of every $100 given by Christians remain in the local assembly. For the Indian context, for every 100 rupees that is given to the church, 97 rupees remain in that local body. And for my Kenyan friends, for every 100 Kenyan shillings that is given, 97 shillings remain in the local body. When I query my students in Africa and Asia and ask about their church's missions budget, many of them concede that probably 100% of the church's income remains within the local body. If there are funds dedicated to outreach outside of the local assembly, it falls into the category of home missions. Of course, the whole matter of what is missions is also a discussion, though outside the scope of this article. Nevertheless, Bishop Neal's statement in 1959 that if everything is missions, nothing is missions, is as re relevant as it was 62 years ago. Neal goes on to say in that lecture, if everything that the church does is to be classified as mission, we shall have to find another term for the church's particular responsibility for the heathen, those who have never heard the name of Christ. And that in 1959 means half of the people now living on the earth. Yet there is a tendency to make everything missions. Tom Telford, consulting a local church, asked the missions committee why the paving of the church parking lot was a part of the mission budget. Their reply was, our church members are missionaries and they need to have a place to park. Obviously, there is a need for more clarity and awareness of what is missions and who is a missionary. But clearly, the excluded middle in Christian ministry is pioneer missions. The second reason for the flaw of the excluded middle in Christian ministries is the flaw in intentional leadership. There are thousands of books on leadership and hundreds of leadership seminars conducted every year throughout the world. In every book and seminar, there are steps on how to be an effective leader. But the leadership I am proposing 
in emphasizing the need for frontier missions and missionaries has only one step, actually only one word, intentional. Of the many churches I have visited, in seminaries where I have taught and missionaries I have met, rarely do I meet someone or organization who are intentional in their task. Local churches, who are the bedrock of the Great Commission, have mission programs, but seldom do they have an intentional focus on what type of missionaries they support and the unreached peoples they send them out to. Seminaries and colleges all have mission courses, but no one there to guide their students in going to the 3.6 billion people who have never met a Christian. It's wonderful that a person has a desire to be a missionary, but I seldom meet a missionary who says that they have set their sights on taking the gospel specifically to, say, the Tatar people of Russia or the Putai people of Thailand. To be intentional means to be focused, resolved, with a clear goal. On the flip side, those who are not focused, Paul Myers said it best, hazy goals will produce at best hazy results. Every pioneer effort down through history was spearheaded by a person of intentionality. William Carey was intentional in his passion for India. Adonaim Judson for Burma. Hudson Taylor, C.T. Studd, Eric Little for China. Where would the church of Nagaland in India be if it were not for a pioneer missionary by the name of Edward Clark? Wherever there has been a conversion or a people movement to Christ, there have been a pioneer frontier missionary who went there with a singular passion for that people. In conclusion, when I read about the unreached people groups throughout the world, the task seems daunting, even out of reach. As I record this podcast, I'm preparing to teach a group of North African missionaries preparing to go to Mauritania, where the Sahara Desert covers over 90% of the land, and Islam is the state religion, and the evangelical Christians in that country are 0.01%. The venture appears overwhelming. To work and serve among Hindu, Buddhist, and Muslims is hard and slow work, but that is the work of a pioneer missionary. Frontier missions can also be very discouraging. In visiting with a missionary in Senegal, they confessed they wondered why they were there. In a country where the people are 95% folk Muslims, meaning that they follow more their traditional practice than the Islamic teaching, there are very few converts to Christ. My answer to them was this. I admit I do not know much about farming, but this one thing I do know. There has never been a harvest unless someone digs into the hard soil and plants the seed. You may be there 5, 10, 20 years without seeing many results. Judson only saw 18 people come to Christ after 12 years working in Burma. 
However, without someone willing to dig in the unfurrowed fields, there will never be a harvest. I continued somewhat sarcastically, if God does give you a harvest, there will be plenty of people who will come and join you in the work. I deeply appreciate every pastor and Christian worker, for every gift is for the body of Christ and the building of his church. Nevertheless, the great flaw and excluded middle of Christian ministry today is the lack of sending and going of pioneer missionaries. To rectify the imbalance of power, churches, pastors, seminaries, and mission organizations must educate themselves in the global need and become aware of this worldwide need. But being aware is futile if there are not people with boldness and intentionality to go where no one else has gone. In 1975, I was a Baptist pastor in a town with a population of 12,000 people. In that little town, there were at least 10 other Baptist churches and other denominational congregations. It was during a missions conference that I became aware of the flaw of the excluded middle of Christian ministry. Why, I thought, am I here just competing with other churches for the growing of my congregation when there are so many people in this world without a witness for Jesus Christ. It was the words of the Apostle Paul that he wrote in Romans 15:20 that moved me to work among an unreached people group in Northwest Kenya. And with these words I conclude, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Well, thanks again for listening. And for more about our ministry, you can go to our website, lewis-training.com. Until next time, may God richly bless you. No problem. So long, friends. Kwaheri ni rafiki. God bless you. Mungu wa wabariki. No problem.